It's all about the money. It's all about the not money. About, not about the kids learning. We've really noticed over the last four years how much indoctrination is going on in the school. So even taking, separating those two big reasons, the private school need is bigger than ever. If people are tuning in to listen to Entrepreneur, like if you want to start a business right now, start a private school. You are now tuned into Stay Dangerous. We, we usually do episodes before lunch. Now we're coming after. We just got to had some crazy good sushi at Akashi. Akashi. Yeah, if you're ever in Conroe, Texas, Akashi sushi. 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 Akashi sushi. Sushi. It's a mouthful. It's a tongue twister. No. a belly full right now. Yeah. The post-lunch coma, but seriously, thank you for lunch. Thank you for the whole hospitality. I was saying off air that you have upped my standard of my future guests on my podcast are going to be living on a lot better than my past ones. Thanks to you. So well, yeah. you just treat us so well here. Thank yeah. You. I've, I've done uh, a lot of um, podcasts in the day and um, this is, you guys are very hospitable. I, I really appreciate that. Good yeah. man. It's Texas. Man. Happy to hear that. It's yeah. Southern hospitality. Yeah. 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 Wait till tonight. The dinner, the dinner well, tonight. It's more the, yeah. dinner, the dinner tonight. Is a, Man, forget Arizona. Right, we're going. We're going. You know, after this, we, right after this, we'll have dinner. We had. Uh, we're going to Honor Cafe, and so there's a veteran that opened this place called Honor Cafe, and uh, it's kind of like a museum. So he has like all kind of memorabilia from, like literally from the Huntsville Veterans Museum, donated stuff to put in there so people could see. So the the restaurants, it's kind of a, a small small town part of town of Conroe, and uh, and they just decorate out like a museum. They have a gave a kind of a military cafeteria feel. And all these veterans from all over the, you know, this part of Texas come and eat, eat there. But this guy cooks like incredible food. It's just so, so good. And it closed today. And I told him you guys are in town. And so he decided to open it uh, to do a, a custom meal for, for you. There's that hospi- wow. yeah. hospitality yeah. again, yeah. man. Jeez. Wow. Nobody yeah. would do that for us in Arizona. Sean can't come because he's cutting weight. I am. Oh, yeah. Cutting weight. We'll send you pictures, in Sean. three weeks. Please send me pictures. <laughs> yeah. We were just Big, talking about steaks. that. Yeah. How much? How we'll much? be you- there. How much you got to cut? I only got like uh, 17 pounds. Man, you can do that the day before. I can, but I, I'm super strict. <laughs> no, you do it smart. I, yeah, yeah, I do yeah. it smart. I'm super yeah. strict. I don't I don't break I don't break the rules, you know. I wish so. I was like that when I was fighting. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I don't miss that. I, I would cut like crazy weight because I, I would make 125 and 135. Wow. But at 125, I, I'd cut it from like one high 150s. Wow. And, and, yeah, yeah, I almost killed himself one time. Yeah, I look like a Holocaust victim, man. I had bones in my face, and you can see all my hip bones yeah. and stuff. Like, cool. gross. Like, yeah. But the next day, I'm like... You feel fine, though. Yeah. yeah. Feel fine. Like, put on 20 pounds. Jeez. You, but you felt fine the next day. Fine. I was trying to tell my son. My son had to cut a lot of weight for his first professional fight, and he felt like crap. And and and, and he was like, he was like, um, yeah, I, I think I, I, I couldn't perform because I cut too much weight. I'm like, no, son, it's not that you cut that much weight because you don't eat red meat. That's right. He don't eat red meat. He don't eat meat. And I was like, it's the meat. You need that. Yeah. You need that iron. You need all. You need that animal protein yeah. to get you through like the tough times and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm his dad. I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 you never did it before. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you know who George Lockhart is? No, no. He, he does. He does. Uh, he does Connor's weight cut. He does. Uh, he does a lot of guys. He does a uh, Chris Cyborg. Who? Who? Eric? Is that the guy uh, Connor was paying touch butt with in the park? No, but that, that was uh, funny when he was. I said, I know you're talking about. <laughs> Who was making fun of him? They, they, oh, they, they, they did. <laughs> they did. Yeah. But uh, yeah, George Lockhart's like, he was a Marine, and uh, that's how I know him. And he's like a scientist with man. And, and, yeah. and so what, he was good at cutting weight for me, but he, what he was better at was what I thought he was brilliant at was how to put it back on right. Mm. He had like a process, like, you don't eat right away. 
it, like a process how to put it back on and then i felt like amazing yeah mm. yeah, yeah. Was, we need we need we need that yeah yeah we need somebody i mean our our, our league he still is... does it he, he still does it it's, uh um, he's on Instagram I, and I, I think I have his number, but yeah, George yeah. Lockhart. If, if he's still, you know, around and willing to put in some, um, mentorship our, our league UFL is all about, you know, how can we do better for the fighters? And if that's an additional, you know, benefit that we could provide somebody, cause we, I see these, I mean, our fighters are up and coming, you know, they, they haven't had the experience from around the world and know how to do this right just from their own teams. So they're learning. And if we can have somebody give them this type of knowledge so they're not killing themselves that would yeah. be I think he does he does clinics and then he takes on fighters and then he actually like has guys he trains that assign to a fighter yeah. so they stay they go to the hotel with them help them with their weight cut like physically to shed the weight their diet their rehydration so he he does does it is, is hand, there, hand holding is there any way you can uh talk to him maybe he can do a clinic at your next event like the week of and the guys can probably pro probably learn something that's what uh, i mean yeah. if we would if we could pay him to do it as like to all of them, because I don't want I don't want one of our fighters thinking that we're yeah, yeah you know exactly. helping helping just yeah. one yeah. you know we're we're a very unbiased yeah I re I'll reach out I reach out to him put put him in touch with you guys yeah, that, cool super cool guy that's yeah. one reason why I'm I'm with the UFL and why one reason why I, I love Harrison because you know I've never met a promoter that looks out for his fighters the way Harrison does and I think it's a no brainer really you would think that all the big shows will look out for their fighters that way, but they don't. I don't understand why. Like they they don't they get out what they can get out of you and yeah. and get away. But you heard what he said, like, yeah, I, I don't want it just for one fighter. I want it for all. And yeah. Yeah. nope. I never heard any promoter say the things that he say and treat the fighters that the way he treats them. And I'm 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 really impressed with the growth of UFL and and all this all the stuff that he does for him. Cause you know you know this. Your yeah. you know this too. Your first fight as a fighter, is with the promoter. Yeah. yeah. This is oh, the yeah. first fight. <laughs> yeah. A lot of fans don't know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. to negotiate with everything. Yeah. yeah. What I heard from that whole thing, other than other the heartwarming stuff you said, he said love. You know, he's on podcast, he said, I, I f*** with Harrison, you know, and that was just great, but I'm not going to forget. You said I, You said that I, I, I say the yeah, L word. Yeah. You know, I, I, do, I do love Harrison. But he's a bit sus, so I just keep, <laughs> you know, he's just a little bit. I know he's joking. Just a little bit, yeah. I know he's joking. I hope he's joking. I know he's joking. No, but I, I love I love Harrison because of the way he um the way he treats people and stuff and the way he treats me. He taught me a lot about business. You know, been, I, I've been nothing but an athlete my whole life, pretty yeah, much. Yeah. And I don't know much about business and stuff like that. But, you know, this guy helped me a lot in, in business and and. I was selling one of my houses. I, was, I, didn't, I didn't know who to talk to. You know, I get ripped off on stuff like that because yeah. people take, have one meeting with them. They're like, oh, we can rip this guy off. He don't know. Yeah, and I, and I called Harrison. He took the time to to meet with the people selling my houses and made sure they did everything right. And I made the most money and 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 saved the most money and everything. And that, that upped my, my respect for him. That's awesome. That's good stuff, man. Well, I want to talk a lot about the UFL, but first, I, want to start, I want to start first where, like, where it started because uh, – I think your success with UFL and, and the success you're gonna have with the UFL is based on you know who you are. Uh, I know you started business young, 17 years old. Yeah. So t tell me about that. How you... uh, sucked at formal education. You know the the school route. Um, actually, so I have two older siblings, uh, full siblings, two older sisters, and none of us graduated high school. Uh, we just all were really not the best students. But my direct older sister grew up with severe autism and she actually, I should take it back, is the only one that actually finished high school. So it's funny that uh, the one who probably had the least odds to do it 
uh, did. Mm. But growing up and realizing how everybody learns so differently was so important to me because I was like, am I an idiot? Like, am I so stupid? Like, is it just running the family? We just do not get school. Um, but I really loved hands-on. You know, I learned, I picked up things quickly when I was able to do them, but sitting and listening to lectures was not my thing. So when I started um, a carpet cleaning business, my junior year of high school, I learned more in that summer leading up to junior year in high school than I ever did before. I mean, even just basic math, I learned more just because I was like, man, if I don't charge, you know, my customer this much, by the time I pay for my equipment rentals, my leases, my all these other things. I was like, I paid money to do their, Jones. you know, you do is read and comprehension. I had to learn <laughs> math really quickly on, on, you know, hard costs and uh, soft costs and then marketing. All these things. And so I loved being able to learn there. And I was like, if I'm going to do college, it's going to be the community college route. And the difference between a GED and a diploma is nothing. Um, so I was like, I can always do that. So I kind of wear and I, I didn't go back. And so I kind of wear that as a, at the time, I didn't wear it as a badge of honor. You know, it was hard to get dates. You know, girls weren't too, and their dads weren't too interested in their daughter dating a high school dropout. But from there, I was able to parlay success uh, into other ventures and business uh, uh, ambitions. In between there, I made really where my launch was, was trading currency. Uh, forex marketing. Everybody hears about forex marketing now, like all the spam on Twitter and all these. Like, oh, this guy helps me make five grand a week in forex. I love. I don't know if you see those spams yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. So they I always post on my com like in my comments. Your comments. Yeah, I hate yeah. That. Like, and I hate that because <laughs> it makes forex look like a MLM or like a. And it's so not. I don't know how. I, don't, I haven't paid enough attention to see what they actually are trying to teach. But when I started with forex, it was seeing how political announcements affect, you know, a country's currency value, and then being able to predict what a different uh, political announcement was going to be made in the future in another country's currency, you know, speculating on what that uh, volatility would be. And I got really good at it. I had a good strategy. I kind of had a good, um, you know, thing going that I had extra time and money to then parlay into a passion project for my sister who had se severe autism and got, it took about a year to get a contract with the state of Arizona to start providing a variety of services for individuals with special needs. And then it blew up into a private school for students with autism to, uh, outpatient clinics for, you know, mental and behavioral health, uh, to independent living. Now we help these individuals transition to employment, to be more independent and have uh, you know, quality of life where they feel successful which is so great because then all these different things have grown into what is today, this really cool ecosystem that I've been able to meet great relationships that are like, Hey, well, we're already doing this. Let's, you know, already be a client for this thing, for this thing, for this thing. And now, you know, we're, we're going to talk about it, but now we're into uh, restaurants. We're into United fight league, uh, MMA promotion. We're into energy drinks that kind of goes back to these healthy uh, ingredients that benefit mental clarity and, and, and anxiety and depression. And it's fun finding these web connecting synergistic things that I'm like, man, I would have never have known that something I worked and learned 20 years ago would ever pay off in this way yeah. that has nothing to do with it. So it's, it, you know, life's fun. And you know, what's crazy is uh, this, this may sound, I'm not endorsing uh, any, 
uh, juniors or seniors or sophomores that didn't drop out of high school. Yeah. But, uh, but I know so many people that, that were, could not learn in high school that dropped out and are incredibly successful entrepreneurs or CEOs and business owners now. I, I, I dropped out of high school uh, my senior year as well uh, to join the Marine Corps because uh, I, I was living on my own. My, my brother was killed when I was 14. My, my, my mother uh, couldn't handle it. My, 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 my father couldn't handle a grieving mother, moved away overseas. So I'm living on my own since I was 15 to 17. Wow. And I was trying to work and uh, I was roofing, roofing and doing a construction job. And learn, learning, definitely I learned how to work hard. Roofing in Louisiana in the summertime is, is horrible. Oh, yeah, that's, a tough, like, that's a tough job. <laughs> and uh, so, so I was like, man, I went to the Marine Corps career. And, you know, since I was a kid, I wanted to be a, a recon Marine. I wanted to be in special operations. So uh, I went in the Marine Corps and made a promise to get my GED. I have an MBA now. Uh, but hey. but but uh, what I I thought the same thing. I heard you say it, and that just resonated with me. You thought you wasn't smart enough to learn. But it wasn't that you wasn't smart enough to learn. It was the way that you were being taught and the exactly. way our school system set up to pass these state exams not to teach and uh man i went in the marine corps and a guy who could barely pass anything in high school i went in the marine corps and i go to you know for uh, recon school basic process course which is like people think it's just physically fit but you're like stacked at books and i'm like oh my gosh like there's a way you got to be super smart to pass these this course and and i and i like and i get like my class high you're like hey academically i'm, I'm smart imagine and, that yeah, every every school i went to i was either like in a you know like class high academically or like in the top, like three, three people, every Marine Corps school I went to. And it was because I was learning stuff I wanted to learn. And it was taught to me in a way that was practical and intangible. And I'm like, Hey, I'm not stupid. And then I ended up going to college later and get a, a 4.0 in my, and eventually got an MBA. But, but, uh, I really look back and, and, and think that, uh, when I kind of mentor my kids, I never encouraged them to go to a university or college. Um, I, I, I really encouraged them to, to do a trade, like either trade school or the Marine Corps or something like that. And I think so in America so much right now, we're pushing kids to go to these colleges and it's like such a bad investment, even financially, because you can spend $200,000 on the, on the degree to get a job making $40,000. The math doesn't even add up. So you're teaching like bad economics from the beginning and uh, trade schools, you could go to a trade school, spend $20,000 and get a job making a hundred thousand dollars. It's like, right. Like, right. How, how many kids that go to school, to you know, for a certain degree, and actually end up with a career with that degree. Yeah, I think the percentages, rare. the percentage is like under ten percent that yeah. people. I can't remember exact numbers, but I, 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 this has come up before. It's like under ten percent of people that graduate college do what they went to college for. Wow. I, I, I could no, I maybe miss. Uh, yeah, don't fact check them. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, but I think but it's, it's a low I think percentage. It's, I think it's under ten percent. And uh, but man, like trade school people, I mean, it's got to be the opposite. It's got to be like. Right first, it's like somebody goes to school to be an electrician. They spend probably like fifteen, twenty thousand dollars to go to trade school, and within like two years, they're probably making a hundred grand a year. Oh yeah, they're in six figures. Uh, I wish there was a trade school for business. I have an MBA, but I'd 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 rather learn like tangible. That's funny you said that because um you know one of the things that I started was a private school for students with autism. So learning how we can structure curriculum and programs to have to cater to very different types of learning. You know, they all have to learn very differently than standing up there and lecturing, I really think there is a innovative and revolutionary way to evolve the classroom that um, hasn't been evolved. Like the, the, the standard classroom has been the same forever. And um, I've, I actually heard uh, Tim Kennedy, or at least some, my, somebody on my team was like, dude, if you happen to get to talk to him about private uh, he started a school. There. Yeah. Oh, Apogee. Apogee. There we go. Yeah, just talked to him about it. And yeah. That's what we, 
Chad and I have been talking about this too. It's, it's you know, our schools today lack critical thinking skills. We don't teach critical thinking yep. skills. We teach them to pass the test. But there's there's schools like Apogee and there's another one, Acton Academy. How do you, uh, ch- how do you change a tire? How do you write a checkbook? Yeah, like, exactly. Taxes. Yeah, they do taxes, life. right? How, yeah. you, how do you not get ripped off on selling a house? Not like exactly. Those things should be taught. That's what we should learn. That's what, we should, <laughs> that's what they should have been teaching us in school. Yeah. yeah but funding yeah. comes from the test scores. And so they drive yep. teaching priority of the test scores because the school receives the funding based on how well they do. It's all about the money. It's all about the not money. About, not about the kids learning. Yeah. And, 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 that, and this was the problem before of like really what's the most beneficial um, education that they can get. But now over the last, I mean, for a long time, but we've really noticed over the last four years how much indoctrination mm-hmm. is going on in the school. So even taking, separating those two big reasons, the private school need is bigger than ever. And I think whoever the... Elon Musk of private schools that comes is just, it's ripe for the most explosive, innovative business opportunity. Oh, you'd be an entrepreneur. And if people are tuning in to listen to entrepreneur, like if you want to start a business right now, start a private school. Absolutely. Because people are fed up with uh, going to public schools because indoctrination, it started in college. Now it's in the public schools, political indoctrination, ideological indoctrination. I mean, where you, it's crazy stuff that's completely off the wall. They're making it illegal in some states right now for parents to even uh, uh, protest pro, no, to protest the uh, school boards. Uh, what's the California just passed? Oh, that? Yeah, yeah, California. California for sure. I'm sure California just passed it. Yeah, well, you, you get it. It's a crime to to protest the school boards. Like, I mean, uh, so you you then the parents have lost their voice in their education. Khabib Khabib uh, had an interview just recently and. Um, I don't know how old it was. I just seen it, but he was up there and he's talking about his experience in America. It could be the MMA fighter. And he's like, he's like, America's just crazy to me. Cause he grew up in the mountains and he's like, you meet a teacher. These like Americans meet a teacher for like five minutes and they don't even find out if they even identify with them ideologically or, or, but they, yet they give them their kids, the most precious thing for nine hours a day and let them let those teachers raise your kids. Whoa. You might see your kid an hour a day, right? But the parent, the teachers have them for like nine hours a day. Yeah. And then when they turn 18, you're like, how's my kids like, doesn't believe anything, I, you know, that believe anything that I believe. And it, it's a tough pill to swallow <laughs> to be like, to, to take that responsibility and be like, that was my fault. I gave that uh, responsibility over to them. And so as a- Somebody you don't even know. Hey folks, I got a shout out for our new awesome sponsor, Midas Gold Group. These guys are the real deal, a family business in precious metals for two generations run by Marine Corps veterans who are all about supporting veteran causes and putting America first. But the best part, they know that true financial freedom comes from owning private currency like gold and silver. If you're feeling a bit worried about the unknown and want to secure finances, look no further than Midas Gold Group. With all the crazy stuff happening these days, it's smart to be prepared. If you don't know, our financial data is stored electronically from bank deposits to retirement accounts. And let's face it, our digital grid isn't exactly invincible. That's where owning gold and silver can save the day. And it's becoming a seriously compelling option. Now here's the scoop. Inflation is nibbling away at your dollar's buying power. And major players like Russia, China, India, and Saudi Arabia are making moves to trade oil in different currencies. This could shake things up big time as the dollar stability depends on being the world's trade currency. The central bank digital currency is virtually already here, with patents filed and big banks making plans. 
and Midas Gold Group sees potentially sketchy implications here. Will it mean the end of cold, hard-earned cash? Is it tied to social credit scores? Storing all our financial info on digital ledgers sounds pretty risky, doesn't it? That's why you can count on Midas Gold Group. They're here to lend a helping hand. They've got competitive pricing, top-notch service, and lightning-fast deliveries all across the United States and Canada. And get this, they could even show you how to use your IRA and old retirement plan to own physical gold and silver without getting hit by any additional tax implications. So listen up, folks. When it comes to precious metals, Midas Gold Group is the real deal and the only one I trust. Give them a ring at 855-322-GOLD. That's 855-322-4653 or hit up their website at midasgoldgroup.com. That's midasgoldgroup.com. They're all about giving friendly, no pressure advice on precious metals. And guess what? If you drop my name, Chad Robichaud, they're throwing in some free silver with any qualifying account. You can't beat that, right? So don't wait around. Secure your financial future with Midas Gold Group. Swing by MidasGoldGroup.com or dial 855-322-4653 and make sure you mention Chad Robichaud sent you. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. You're the considered, I guess, the anti-woke CEO. What's, what's that? Yes. That's what that means. I think that was actually, I don't know if he's, but you know, when I, um, I was growing my businesses for ever mining, mining my own business with not caring about politics, leaving that, you know, to the politicians, I don't care. But then in 2020, when all of a sudden everything hit the fan and people are shutting down businesses and telling people who's, who, what businesses are essential and what's not. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, I thought we lived in America. I didn't know we could pick and choose who was going to. Um, and so that was when I was like, I don't know anything about politics. I need yeah. to, I don't know how to hold a representatives accountable. I don't even know like the difference between, you know, the state, like this, this is going to show how naive I was, but a high school dropout, come on, yeah. you know, and they don't. So, um, you know, I'm like, oh, the difference between the the powers of, of Congress and then the Senate and then how even the state's government is different than the, than the national government. Cause I always grew up thinking the only election that really matters is every four years when the you're president. trying to get the president, so which how old are you by the way? I'm 35. Okay. So I believe that like around that, that's a, you're probably the beginning of the age group. I'm, I'm, I'm like 12 years older than you, but I think you're around the beginning of the age group where they started intentionally removing civics, totally education out of it for the exact reason you, they don't want the voter, the average voter. When I say they, I mean everybody. The, the institution, the yeah. government institution, is not want the average American voter to be informed on this stuff. And and, and I always people in Congress that don't even know a three branches of government. It, I've I've over the last three years, I swear I've gotten a PhD in civics, and it, and it's been for good and bad because now I'm gonna like now I know why people ignore politics because it's a it's a shiz show, you know, yeah. and yeah. nobody ever gets anything done because. It is in there. It's kind of like why we don't cure patients. It's because there's not money in cures. They want to keep perpetuating these problems that they say that they care about solving. But the second same, they solve it, they they're not needed anymore. Same story every election cycle. Same campaign talking points that they're gonna. So both sides are nuts, you know. Yeah. And 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 I love that you know what what other people's opinions are. I, I respect, but I believe that the two party system was never meant to be the full forever plan, you know, and it, it, we see why, because then the, it ultimately becomes a singular party because it is yeah two sides of the same coin that just is always perpetuating. So I don't know how we solve that. I'm, 
Well, I mean, you said something in uh, I listened to your interview with Jeremy Stallnick on the Situation Report, and you were, you said something about um uh about being agnostic, being politically agnostic, and I don't believe in America anymore. People could be as disengaged in, in politics as as they once were. Like people, a lot of people say like it's that like when when Trump and Hillary ran, right? It was the it was, hey, people were saying is the wor what's the worst of two evils? Like I'm not gonna vote at all. I'm gonna sit this one out. I don't think people could sit on the sidelines anymore. I don't think you could be politically agnostic anymore, especially if you're a business owner, especially okay. if you're an entrepreneur or CEO. And you know, Quentin, you're 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 you know maybe not CEO, but you're an entrepreneur. You're out. You know, you're your brand and. And I don't think you could be like you're impacted if you don't vote yeah. and you don't learn how to vote at the local level, all at the bottom level, all the way up to the presidential level. You're, you and your family are, are impacted. You can't be politically agnostic in this country anymore. Uh, well, what about the people that don't believe that your vote actually matters? There's a lot of people that believe yeah. that that um, it's not, you can you know you can vote for whoever you want, but at the end of the day, that it's it's um, they're going to choose like who like, they want anyway. Who right? they want anyway? Yeah. I don't know how they go because I'm not very political, but I did. Get more involved in politics after 2020. Yeah, and it's like most people. But um, I I know I don't know exactly how to um, uh, um say this, but one of my friends was telling me that that it's not even the people. It's the the what is it the the is already the politicians that, that vote that like they got to win certain states. The electoral and, yeah. college. It's a what? what the is, electoral college. Is that that's like politicians that's voting amongst themselves, right? It, and that's who decides who the president is. That is that. So I grew up thinking how terrible that was, you know. Right. And it's easy. You're told to, it's terrible. Yeah, we're told it's terrible. We're like, oh, because then. It, but really, when you start learning about why that was, it makes perfect sense of of why it needed to take place. Otherwise, all of these states like uh, Minnesota Cal or or California, and New York would 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 determine that. Those would be yeah. the only people. Th that'd be the campaign trail. It'd be New York, yeah. California. They would represent the whole country. And they would represent the whole country. So really, yeah, it sounds like, wait, we, the voice of the people isn't being heard, but really, they really wouldn't be heard if if it wasn't the electoral. So it's some truth to that, right? That the, the people, like everyday voters, we really don't get, get we really don't decide who the president, right? Correct? We, we do. that. The popular vote does a swing the electoral, I mean, it does swing the electoral vote. So you still have a popular vote in each, in each location. You know, and, and there is... Look, there clearly there's corruption in, in the voting. Uh, they have who they, want, they, who they have who they want. They have the ability to censor. We've seen you see what happened in the last election. I think most people that would be honest would say this, there was corruption in the last election. A lot of people won't admit that, but most people that would be honest would. But I always say to people that say, "Hey, I don't think my vote counts." It it definitely doesn't count if you don't vote. <laughs> it might not count if you do, but it definitely doesn't count if you don't. But you know? it's, so, it's so, never like, been. It makes sense. But yeah. it's never been more feeling of what you're saying of it it's not the voter that counts it's the person that it's, counts the votes it's the per yeah <laughs> but, and, and that sucks but i think i think we think of that on a we think we think of that on in the presidential election with people like and, and I, i've been go to this too except for the last few years i've been uh, probably the last probably like eight eight nine years i've been really more engaged in people need to vote on local think about the local level because yeah. that's that has impact like who has the most power in this country and the way the country is set up is state legislators and most people don't even know who their state legislature exactly. is. Exactly. No, right, right. Yeah, but that's who has the most power. So when you're, you're, what your friend's talking about is the power that state legislators have. And uh, so that's who you need to be, that's who we need to be voting for. Who's who's in charge of your school board? Like those small local votes impact your everyday life. And most people think, like you said, they're thinking every four years we'll vote for the president. But that's like way up the line. Yeah, There's a right. lot of small government in between that affects your everyday life. And that's where 
people should be voting in those. I, areas. I, I, I go, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, well, I was just going to say that president should have less influence in your daily life than your local mayor. Yeah. We don't yeah. like care about our mayors or our sheriffs ever. And our sheriffs most, are most people can never name who's, you know, I, yeah. I, I got one question about this. Um, like like that lady Nancy Pelosi, right? Yeah. What 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 what? what Did you say nasty? nasty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, nasty Pelosi. <laughs> uh, what what position is she in in politics? What what's her? She's title? a con she's a congresswoman. And how come she's how come she been there for a long time? How, how come they can be in office for so long, but our president can only be in office for to, four years? About to pull yeah. Chad String. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. No, it's a good question. It's, it's, it's a good question. It's probably it's probably almost the most. You you probably just asked the most important question in our country because yeah. if there was all this political uh, mess that we're in right now, if, if the U.S. Congress members had had term limits, we would not be in that. So if they had term limits like the president does, we wouldn't be in that. But they are allowed to stay there in perpetuity as long as they keep electing, getting elected in, and most of them have control of their districts to, be able to get themselves elected back in. They get elected in and they just start campaigning right away, and they running that district so they're able to really influence their own election and. And influence the methods to get elected, which in a lot of in her district certainly does a tremendous amount of voter fraud there. And so uh, they stay in forever, and they and they they go in make their their salary is one hundred seventy five thousand dollars a year. They're not allowed to make an extra more than an extra twenty five thousand, so they're capped at twenty two hundred thousand. But then they go in at maybe a net worth of one hundred thousand dollars. And they leave there worth millions. Millions. That's what I was going. That's what yeah. I, that was going to be my next question because yeah. since I've been on TikTok. I've been, you know, they've been making videos of, I've been watching TikTok and, and they were saying that she's like uh, either shady or she just somehow learned a lot about stocks. <laughs> yeah, she learned she's a lot the best stock trader on the planet. Yeah, she trades, trades right, before the, right before the markets crash or boom, right? Yeah. Uh, I mean, she, so, I mean, you know, these, with term limits, they would not be able to, to lobby the way they do because they wouldn't be able to sell their, their influence. So when you're in a position in Congress, now you have the influence to be able to impact legislation and so these lobbyists come and they pay them a lot of money, make a sweet deal for them, and uh, and then they vote the way they want to vote. Uh, these you talk about big pharma when we were talking about with Eric with with Eric uh, earlier. I mean, the big pharmaceutical companies they own a lot of these politicians, and if they stay in there for if they stay in there for four years, they're not very influential. If they stay there for forty years, they can really do a lot for a big pharmaceutical company right. or other companies. So uh, that's probably one of the most important questions in our country. Now, here's the problem with that: is who would who would change that rule to say that uh that congress that u.s congress members will only have a, a term limit of four years or whatever it'd be eight years they vote no. they, yeah, them. They, they're the ones that they would have to vote themselves out of a job right so it's never going to change yeah some of them will say it some of them will say like i believe in term limits for congress members and and and, and i would but they they're not gonna vote themselves out of they'll a job. put a bill forward so that they look cool knowing that it would never gain any traction oh but, but to go back to your original question yeah um being so ignorant in the political world, but having the business background that I was really interested in getting in, one of the biggest problems that I felt passionate about was this whole woke culture um, yeah. that was going on. Uh, so having over 500 employees myself, you know, one of the things that I wanted to make clear to my, my staff was, hey, we all might disagree on, you know, these, and what I hated was the social issues were getting very, um, it was one or the other. You either were fiscally responsible and a, you know, socialist, racist, whatever, or you were um, a financially liberal economic dumb dumb, but you were this most peaceful, um, non-racist. It's like, no, 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 no. 
like how I don't know how those are getting separated. You could be fiscally responsible and uh, socially liberal. I mean, some people are like, no, because then you have to have bigger budgets and and fund these social issues. I am a big proponent for private sector working with government to show, and that's exactly what my company does is we have a contract with the state to provide these services at a competitive quality price um, service, which is a better value for the dollar from the government and a better service output to the clients. We can do the same thing with most, if not all social issues, but there's so much crap in between that, that, um, people are able to say, Oh, you know, Republicans that are fiscally responsible are, are social issue jerks. But I became the uh, anti-woke CEO because I wanted to show them that, Hey, I have these conservative values, but that does not prevent me from saying, Hey, I have a very diverse, um, employees and I respect all of them. I, it, it hopefully shows in all these other businesses that I run that I care about all of them and all of their, you know, what they find important, but we're not going to force vaccines down people's throat. You know, I'm, you're all going to be guaranteed a job. Even if you guys are, um, if we're shut down, you have to stay home. I'm going to figure out how to keep you guys paid. Luckily, you know, the PPP anyway, I'm sorry. I'm causing him to yawn. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, no, I'm no. Ch- I, 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 have, I have to apologize. <laughs> I'm chatty <laughs> Kathy. Over no, here. no, no. I have to apologize before, I, before I flew here, I worked on a movie and they didn't re- they didn't release me till six but finally get home to like six a.m. Then and then I flew straight up here to Texas. Yeah, flew straight here to Texas. So it, you guys are not you <laughs> yeah, guys are not boring me. <laughs> <laughs> My sleeping schedule is just and the whole time I was there on set I was working. They had me yeah. working. So I apologize. Can, can, you say, can you say anything about the movie? What was you want to know? What you want to know about the movie? The name of the movie? What what, what is it about? I didn't read the script. <laughs> I just showed up. Yeah, I I just read. I just read my. I What's just your read, part? What's your part? My part was, was like I was like the right hand man to like this this boss. He was a boss, but it looked like it was some sex trafficking going on in the movie. And I was like, I was like one of the bad guys. I was and, gonna ask you, you're a good guy back. No, nah, I was a bad guy, and I can say I got killed in the movie. Oh, good, good. There you go. Very violently, and mm. my and from what I read about my character, he deserved. Yeah, there you so go. It's like, so I, I would. I don't want to see you get killed, but if no, you're sex trafficking yeah. and yeah, yeah, you want to see that guy. You want to you want to see him get killed. We got to get you in good roles now. Why why do they have well, you playing well, bad guys? Well, well, sometimes bad guys are fun, but this is this is this is honestly the truth. I didn't like I said I didn't read the script, and I didn't even read my part. I I before I agreed because one of the people that asked me to do the movie was a friend, right? Mm. So I was like, oh, well, I didn't want to do it first. I said, you know what? You get my friend. I was trying to get Sean in the movie. I said, my coach. I said, you know what? You get my coach apart and I do the movie because the money wasn't like, it was only for two days, but the money wasn't exciting for me. Mm-hmm. But I just, my coach wanted to do movies. And, I, and I've been trying to get him in some movies for years because he looked like Van Damme. He's all ripped, 5% <laughs> body fat, look like a Viking and all this <laughs> shit. Like, get my coach a role, then I'll come do the movie. Then I get that I do it, and they give him like a little small extra part. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm gonna call it right here. I'm gonna do a little self promotion. Yes, my, my book Saving Aziz. So uh, we were talking at lunch. We get Quentin's gonna be in here to play. We get we have to get him in here to play 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 a soldier, dude, or a Marine or something. Dude, I See would you? be honored. I would be honored to play. And because because what you were telling me about this movie, bro, this is like right up my this right up my alley. I get to shoot people and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we could have you shoot somebody. And, I, and I'm not a bad guy. That's a good we, guy. We're gonna have you jump on a, we have you jump on a plane. And you have oh, f- no, no, <laughs> no stunt double. No nah, stunt. Nah, <laughs> nah, I can't do that. No, no, no. Yeah. It's movie magic. You, yeah. you make it pretend like I jump out. <laughs> yeah. Get him on a boat. <laughs> and now f- that too. <laughs> hey, they, they make fun of me because uh, one time we was all hanging out with Tito Ortiz 
And um, we were out in the ocean in, in, off in Orange County, and, and Tito wanted to go off on his boat. He got this fast boat. And I just, I just had a feeling. I just didn't like it. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like. I've been on boats and stuff before, but I don't like going out there on boats on the fast boats, jumping away. They all making fun of me. I gotta put the video up. No, there. don't yeah, do it. No. You, you got the video. <laughs> one of the most dangerous, no. one of the most dangerous man to step in the cage. I, I, he was holding on to that. <laughs> I don't have anxiety or nothing like that. But at that time, I, I, I would like to think that maybe there was anxiety. I wanted to just go back to the shore. I didn't want. And Tito jumping waves and stuff like that. But I've seen, I, I guess I've seen too many things. TikTok is a yeah. killer, man. Yeah, boats flip over and stuff like yeah. that. And I can swim, but not good enough in the ocean. <laughs> yeah. And then it's, it's things in the ocean that can eat you. Hey guys, Chad Robichaud here. Are you ready to experience the greatest beef you'll ever taste while supporting an incredible cause? Well, get ready to sink your teeth into the irresistible beef from Skyros Cattle Company. At Skyros Ranch, where Mighty Oaks Foundation holds our West Coast legacy programs, Wayne Hughes Jr., the founder of Skyrose Cattle Company, has dedicated over a decade to perfecting the art of raising premium beef. And guess what? You can now enjoy the fruits of his labor right in the comfort of your own home with the absolute highest quality beef you can find, hands down. And trust me, I'm a carnivore and I've tasted plenty of steaks and nothing comes close to a Skyrose steak. These cattle are grass-fed and free of antibiotics, hormones, and vaccines. And for the last 10 years, I've personally watched these cattle graze 25,000 acres in Central Coast, California, and the taste is unbeatable. When you choose to purchase Skyro's Beef, you're also making a difference by supporting the Mighty Oaks Foundation. Wayne is all about helping our deserving military and first responder communities through our faith-based resiliency and recovery programs. In every single penny, of your purchase goes directly towards assisting our nation's warriors. Let me reiterate this, because it's crazy. 100% of the proceeds of Skyrose cattle goes directly to Mighty Oaks Foundation to support our nation's warriors. So let's join forces and make a positive impact one delicious bite at a time and head over to SkyroseCattleCO.com. That's SkyroseCattleCO.com today and order yourself some tender, juicy cuts of beef Trust me, your taste buds will thank you. And one more little insider secret. Every warrior who goes through Mighty Oaks Legacy Program at Sky Rose will assure you that this beef is extraordinary and off the charts delicious. The very first thing our warriors get when they get to Mighty Oaks programs on Sky Rose Ranch is a delicious Sky Rose steak hanging off the side of their plates with a Sky Rose brand on it. And our warriors love them and you will too. I need the microphone back closer. You guys get me distracted. <laughs> <laughs> so you UFL. So you you've have a, you have you know done a ton of success. You have had a ton of success in business. You want to give back to the MMA community because you're a fan of MMA and use it to just do good causes. Uh, so tell us about UFL. What's what's it stand for? I guess that's perfect pivot from when I jumped in politically to kind of learn and, and use the business. You know whatever. I met with I met Frank Mir at a at a gathering a political uh, event. Just is Frank super involved in politics, right? He was. Well, he's, he's outspoken. He's outspoken. Yeah. yeah, but he and I were both kind of on the page where we we agreed with so much of these ideologies, but we didn't think these discussions were ever going to do anything. And so we were like, "But really, the grassroots is always the best." And MMA and his audience is way more grassroots than these, you know, we'd go to these parties that were these billionaire oil family people in, in Texas and whatnot. And, um, they never felt 
can I never we never felt like they would actually connect with the grassroots that we need to show where you anyway. So we're like, let's get the MMA audience involved, you know, do a fundraiser with an MMA event. He's like, I'll call Rampage, I'll call Tito, and we'll see, we'll put together this like one-off event where we have teams. Um, and it was awesome. It was a blast. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of the political people that were involved that we were trying to benefit from these things um, got super worried about cancel culture. And they were like, we just can't put our name on that. And it just kind of opened our eyes again to like, hey, if there's ever something that seems like it's going to solve a problem that we can start gaining traction, nobody really wants to be a part of it. So we um, decided we're going to keep going with this because not only do we feel like um, we can do good in the uh, MMA world, it got traction. People were like, what are you guys doing? Like, this is, you you have legends, you have Rampage, you have uh, Frank, you have Tito. And so um, we, we did a couple more events and then what were some of the other issues in MMA got brought up, like being able to uh, have the luxury of just going to dinner with these legends, you know, what were the issues you had coming up in your, you know, health insurance? They were always battling injuries that never could be discussed until after a fight when you had pretend like that's when you got the injury. So you can actually get surgery and, and get it helped. So insurance was a big thing. Uh, fighter pay obviously has been a, a hot button for a long time. Um, and after fight, you know, is there any type of retirement? Is there any type of something that can prevent or provide, uh, after like there's no NBA NFL pension for yeah. fighters. My business brain started being like, Oh, I want to try to tackle some of those. And of course, Frank and rampage were like, Oh, we've heard this before. Like, Oh, okay, here we go. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody wants to be a promoter. Everybody wants to be Dana White. But I didn't want to do it to be a Dana White. I actually am excited to not be in this role uh, for much longer. Um, it's not the lifestyle that I like, but it's it's the role that I'm excited to do right now to get it to where it ultimately will be the NBA of MMA, where we're able to have this holistic ability for fighters to be like, that's where I want to be because then you are you have a, a lifestyle that you can get paid you know you don't have to be the conor mcgregor to make life livable wages yeah you have health insurance benefits you have life insurance benefits but you also have shares in the company because we we're always trying to figure out what is the way to solve the retirement problem you know we can't have pensions forever because we as we've learned from government actually that that dr- <laughs> financially you can't, unless you're starting to keep stealing from Peter to pay Paul to do all these things, it, it it burns out. So how do we have something that the people who help build this league can be financially benefited until they die or until they retire and they want to do well, it's a glorified employee stock option plan. They have shares in the company, help us build this league to be valuable and you will eat, you know, forever from it. And so them having shares, um, provides that. And, um, it was a, um, grandiose idea and, uh, rampage challenged me. So he's like, if you can do that, man, you'll be a legend. And I don't think he knew what that triggered in me because I was like, as a young, I actually trained MMA as a young guy and uh, thought I was going to be, you know, a rampage one day and, and whatnot, but I got married young and she was just like, mm, you're not doing that anymore. <laughs> and so part of me was like, Oh, I can't, I won't be a legend in MMA as a fighter. Maybe I could be an MMA as a, as a, you know, uh, as a 
stay dangerous uh, <laughs> uh promoter, like helping promoter. fires. What yeah. do you call that? A Creator. disruptor. 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 Yeah. There you go. Yeah. And so uh yeah, it, it's I, take... I, I think if his show takes off and That's and... our show, baby. This is one of the second yeah. largest shareholders in the company. Yeah, if it if the show takes off and it and it get gets huge and it gets like close to like mainstream, it's gonna help so many up and coming fighters and and then it evolve into like other fighters coming over, like bigger name fighters coming over. Yeah, he's a, he's a legend. He's doing something that should have been done years ago, mm-hmm. and that no one's doing and no one else wanted to do. Yeah, well, let's be honest. We, you know, <clears throat> everybody here's fought at some point. It's hard. You know, you you can't if you want to be really good at fighting, you have to do it full time. But it's really hard to do it full time because you don't get paid. If you have a family, it's definitely something that you know is really really hard on your family to do and so i i think it's cool it's intriguing to hear what you're trying to create because it will allow some people to dig in and look at this as a potential career fighting for most people starts off as a hobby and a dream but they never get to look at it as a career because it's so difficult to make happen um people tell you all the time yeah don't, don't set your sights on that you know because it's it's, it's so rare to happen yeah i have I, I give that advice to young guys that hey i think i want to you know pursue but i i i try to i try to talk people out of it yeah <laughs> yeah because uh i mean i i just being honest like i do because it's like and i just don't want to i don't want to send someone down that trajectory i know if they want to bad enough then they're passionate enough then they're gonna do it against my advice but uh but i just like think it's a it's such a narrow you can even be the best in the world and just not have that opportunity Right. Or, or get injured, not, you know? Right, yeah. right. Yeah, so right. Like, I don't want to send some. I don't want to be responsible for sending someone down that path. And so to know that there's a healthy path where we have like a company actually taking care of you, that makes it different because the reason I say no a lot is because I know with promoters that they just care about how many yeah. sick tickets you sell for that event. That's yeah. all they care that's about. That's all they care about. You and right. uh, and uh, to know that there's other options, that's that's pretty encouraging to hear. It, hey, you know, um, I have the uh, luxury of blissful ignorance of what I don't know about the sport, you know, like I'm learning as I go. And so I'm crazy enough to think that I can solve these problems, but I also am not dumb enough to assume that I'm smarter than everybody before me. So I'll probably run into things that are obvious why they haven't done to this point, but no matter what I'm trying to do, whether UFL becomes the only thing because everybody would ultimately come over, um, if nobody else raises the bar, but if, if at worst, case scenario if all ufl does is make everybody else raise their bar if ufc yeah. starts having to offer you uh health insurance if you know they start offering shares in their company hey yeah. we've done our job what's this capitalism right like uh you you, you go out and you put some competition in the marketplace and right now the ufc has just a monopoly on the marketplace i mean uh yeah it's I mean, even it's even in court right that's now that's what's cool that's you're <laughs> yeah. breaking the mold you know even if even if, you know, I, 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 I'm signed to Fury. I think Fury's a good organization. Eric Garcia runs Fury. He does a good job. He ca- I think he really cares about the fighters. But you're breaking the mold of what's being done out there. And that's what's so cool is you're trying to elevate the bar, you know. Um, and so, yeah, it's it's intriguing to to hear about for sure. And And what I love about what you were just saying, like other promoters, they would hear like, oh, you know, Fury's great. Immediately they might go be like, oh, well, they're not, they're not, you know, they don't do this in this yeah, case. yeah. We don't look that way. Like if I want everybody else to elevate, like if I was, if this was our only home run, like if UFL was, um, my end all be all where this has to succeed and that's my whole identity. And if you know that 
if that doesn't succeed, I would have that scarcity mentality and want other competitors or other promoters to not be as good as me. But this isn't our only, like we think we can solve a problem and break a mold and, and be a legend and say, Hey, we, you know, Mike dropped and cause we have other passions. We have other things that we're doing with the energy drinks and trying to do a lot with mental health and a lot of things in the world that, you know, we've talked about off air. So being able to then turn this over when it's big enough to either take public. So it's a, it's a publicly owned a company where fighters are even more invested in it because, you know, even if you're not a fighter, you could be investing in this cool. Um, there's so, there's so many ideas that will, will ultimately turn it over to a president and a board of directors that, um, obviously would always put the best interest in the company rather than one or two or three really rich individuals. Um, which, which then we can turn it over and do. So because of that, I know we're either raising the bar for everybody else or we're ultimately going to take over, not because we're, you know, playing the game and being a monopoly, but because we're the only ones that were willing to do these these yeah. extra things. Um, so the the scarcity mentality is not there. The abundance. I want everybody to succeed because we're gonna ultimately go. On, I want to make movies. <laughs> yeah. And, and so, you know, I can't be trying to be Dana White forever if we're going to do that. As many of you know, suicide rates amongst our military and first responder communities are at an all-time high. Uh, Mighty Oaks, for the last decade, has been on the front lines as being part of the solution. Many of you ask, you know, how can we get involved? How can we be part of that solution? And this year is our 13th annual Mighty Oaks Warriors Gala in the Woodlands, Texas. And that is a way to be part of the solution. You can join us by buying your tickets uh, in the link below and come and join us. We're going to have an amazing night. Uh, always incredible food. And speaking will be myself and Jace Robertson, our friend from Duck Dynasty at Duck Commander, uh, as well as Anthony Rendon a baseball player from the LA Angels, who actually is from Texas as well. Uh, we're gonna have an incredible night. Uh, we're gonna join together and lock arms, be part of the solution to save lives, restore families, and change legacies for eternity. I hope to see you there. I got a question for each one of you guys. Yeah, yeah. Your first question, why did you make uh, the energy drink, F3? Dude, F3, oh, talking about how it's so fun, how synergies circle back to previous Right. Uh, things that I was learning about and, and had passions about. Thank you for bringing that up, man. Yeah, I was just, just curious about it. So selfishly, I, I had the um, passion of figuring out natural, healthy ingredients that could help some of my students and, and patients that obviously have to take pharmaceutical in, in drugs for, you know, autism or, or um, bipolar or depression, like all these different things that are needed medication for. But there are proven benefits or at least um, shown case studies that these natural ingredients, if you eat healthier or you consume these these natural things, have effects on these types of, of benefits. So I was like, I would love to try and create products that were good for people that are either athletic or people who drink energy drinks that need to, cause most energy drinks are, Oh my gosh. Trash. And, and, yeah. you, trash. and you, and you know it, you drink it knowing that it's just going to keep you awake. Yeah. Maybe not your sharpest, maybe not your, your top caliber, uh, abilities, yeah. but at least you're not. I usually buy energy drink. If I get an oil stain on my driveway, I'll go out and I need an F3 right now. <laughs> my, my, my question for you, what was, what's the name of your book? Saving, Saving disease. Saving disease. Cause cause Aziz. 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 And, and I, I noticed you noticed in your book, you talked about the government had to uh, redact, they redacted some stuff. Yeah. So in the movie, when you watch in the movie, 
and the stuff that you can't talk about is it is it are would the audience be able to see like what parts you had to redact and you and you can't, can't I think I think they build the show stuff like for example like the unit the unit I was in you know I can't I can't say the name of the unit I was in so that part's redacted uh the the specific unit I was in but we'll both but, but when people see that see the guys and you know, it'll, it'll say like a, you know, a joint special operations task force and they see the, how the guys are dressed and what they, they're like, oh, those guys are like tier one special operations, dude. They'll, they'll know like. They know, but you know how some, some movies, especially like war movies or military movies, they, they have the little text on the screen. They type it. Yeah. They could be would doing it, that. It, the, the ticker, you, yeah. Would yeah. you have that, that part redacted on, on the movie? I think oh, that, that would that be. That might really, be a good idea. I think that would be yeah, really Yeah. You cool. might be on the that'd be, that'd be Yeah. Good. Cause this, 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 this is really cool. It made, it, it made it made me like uh, three times more interested in in reading the book as soon as I saw the redacted stuff. Oh, that's the type of person I am. I, yeah. Psychology. I, I, got, I got to tell that to my publisher because that was yeah. that was my that was my point that I make. I think people are gonna want to know what's behind that. Yeah. And, yeah. and my question for you is: Sorry to be so nosy, guys. Ask no, you guys no, question no, on no. your own show. No, that's no, good. Hey, uh, we like, switch roles. <laughs> yeah, we switching roles. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's your opponent's name and what's your game plan ah, for, uh, yeah. for your okay. fight coming up? My opponent's name is Ernest Singleton. And um, he's a pretty traditional Muay Thai. He's got a, he's got several kickboxing matches. So, um, but that that game plays well to me. I do well in in that area of striking. Um, honestly, I do do you know I, I do well. I can I feel like I can strike with anybody. But the the kind of weird unorthodox people, you know, it, it's harder. You know, it, I like the, the rhythm helps. So uh, I play in the strike with him. However, you know, I, I have a a pretty well-rounded game. So if we get into a place where, um, you know, I don't like what I'm seeing, then then we'll take him down and, All right. and submit him. All right. So I, you know, I've been fighting for like um, what over 23 years. Even though my son won't listen to me, he think I don't know what I'm talking about. But I used to be one of the best fighters in the world. That's right. And and you said your the guy your opponent, he's a Muay Thai fighter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's his strength. Yeah. So why even play to his strength? Just because, just because you you like, because that's that's your thing. You like it. You, I like striking. That's yeah. probably why. But to your point, it it probably would be you know because I know we'll be superior on the ground. I know, like yeah. no doubt. Right. So yeah, um, that's a good point. That's for me. The coach side of me says, if you know you're superior on the ground, then why you can stand up and. Right, going his strength. Right. I understand why he's doing it because I've I've done it before. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Well, you want to be entertaining. You too, want, right? Yeah, you want to be entertaining. Yeah. That's why I just I'm just asking yeah. questions because some people, you know, I just wanted to know because that's it's if a good I'm question. Yeah, yeah, if I'm fighting a Muay Thai guy, I'm not worried about. It. I like striking, so but that's his strength. So I know my game plan would be like you know, just for the fun. I'm gonna stand up, but then I'm gonna get his ass to the ground. That's kind of yeah. yeah. I was I was, I was a little different. I always always fought. Like one thousand percent to win as fast as possible. Like I felt like I was <laughs> in a smart. race, the race yeah. to win. Like I always, I always like Randy ran to uh, coach me for two month camps. My last fight. Oh wow. He, he's a good strategy guy, and it was it was always like, play. You know, my strengths versus his weaknesses, avoiding his strengths and and exploiting those weaknesses and. It was a, I always I always thought that way, and for me, I always tried to win as win as fast. A lot of my fights first. I'm, I'm eighteen and two. Uh, that's where I retired at most of, most of my I think half of my fights are first round submissions. Oh, for real? So like that's a good, oh, that's a really good, good record. record. Yeah. Uh, I, I came I came up I started my first fight was in first pro fight was in '99. Mm. So I was as a jujitsu guy I was kind of cheating because you know in those early they, days they, they, they didn't know, know yeah, yeah. so so I, like I, I really count uh, 18 and two but I really count like my last probably like seven eight fights were like you know yeah. guys that you know 
really, really good. Yeah, nine, really good, good, tough opponents. Back in those days, nineteen only the really the greatest knew jujitsu. Yeah, it's, it's amazing that you was even doing jujitsu back. Then. I know, I was super lucky, and I I started Japanese jujitsu when I was five years old. Oh, that's and, different, uh, huh? Yeah, definitely. I started I started Brazilian jujitsu in nineteen ninety five. Oh, and. Uh, but man, like I went to these, you might've went to these early on, but I went to these like fights and I was like, show up this place in Louisiana called the chop shop. Mm -hmm. And we show up to fight, but we just show up, showed up to fight. And then they were like, okay, you are going to go with him. Kind of like a class. Yeah. You're going to go with him. They match you up there. Yeah. And that was like talking about for early fights, my amateur fights. Yeah. And uh, I mean, we stomp people's heads. Yeah, it was wild. It was a wild, wild way. I was like, oh my God. I look, think back now, I was like, oh my gosh. We, a few like were, uh, you remember those pancreas where you, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, uh, and then we had those foam. There was like a piece of foam with some elastic under the hand. Yeah. My second, my second amateur fight was pancreas. Wow. Yeah. And so I came, I came right after. That when it, I came right when they when they added rules to the UFC and stuff like mm -hmm. that. Yeah, I came right. I, that's when I entered uh, MMA. Right at that time, as soon as my sport got rules, that's when I started fighting. Yeah. Yeah. What was your what was your first pro fight? When my first my first pro fight was in King of the Cage against Marvin Eastman. I would not remember the year because I'm bad with years. Let me think. Uh, so okay, first fight against Eastman. Yeah. So yeah. so I'm when was that? When 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 was now nine eleven? That's two thousand. Two thousand one. All right. So it's probably like two thousand. My first. My first. So we're about the same time. Yeah. yeah. Ninety nine was my. I did ninety seven was my first amateur fight. Yeah. Ninety nine was my first pro fight. Yeah. yeah. That's crazy. You and, was it Eastman's first fight too? No hell no. <laughs> and they lied to me. They said he. Oh, they was like oh he's just a kickboxer. <laughs> that happened. That happened to me with uh you know Dean Thomas. Oh yeah, so, you fought Dean Thomas. Yeah, as an amateur, I showed up and Monty Cox was a promoter. You remember Monty? Yeah. Cox? Yeah. Monty Cox is like oh you oh perfect get both your debut. Then I've been fighting forever. Yeah. <laughs> 2000? You think around 2000? That's what I thought. 624, 2000. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, I guess it was. 624, 2000. 624. Yeah. That was close to your birthday. Oh, man, it was right after my birthday. Yeah. Oh. You like fighting on your birthday. Well, yeah. You know, it's my job. I was broke as hell. I told you. I, yeah. I, I, I left Fight everything. Fighting birthday cake. Yeah. I left everything back home to, to move to California to, to be a fighter. I left my job, my car, my house. I left everything. I had this one girl that I was dating. I went to college in, in NorCal in like a little small uh, community college for wrestling. And I met this chick up there and, you know what I'm saying, she went to Argentina to be a foreign exchange student or whatever. And and, um, and she started cheating on me and all this stuff. So I'm like, ah, oh, whatever. And then I just left college and went back home and, you know what I'm saying, all this stuff happened. Then she showed up at my doorstep one day because she was writing me. I'm like, how in the hell you... She said, I got your letter. Anyway, long story short, I do all that stuff, and she's from California. So we drive back to Calif California. So maybe a fight. I left everything, my, wow. my family. It was like the biggest sacrifice of my life. And 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 a bunch of stuff happened. And um, I, I had already, when she went to uh, Argentina, you know, I started messing around with this other girl after I found out she was cheating on me, and I, had, and I got a kid. And I'm kind of like what you said earlier, you against abortions and stuff. And she got mad at me because I didn't, I didn't get an abortion. I'm like, no, I'm guess I'm guess I'm guess abortion. So I got this kid, and she found out. She just just played with my mind. Long story short, we moved out <laughs> out to California, and I'm fighting. I'm a dad now, and uh, I moved my baby mama and my girlfriend. We all stayed in one house because she didn't have nowhere to go. And then, short notes, I, I got to fight Marvin Eastman in, in two weeks, and I get in a fight with my baby mama. And then my ex girlfriend jumped on the bandwagon. They both got in the car. And, 
Left, went back to North Cal. Look out. Look out. That is a story right <laughs> there. So I'm by myself. I'm fighting. I got to fight two weeks. My first pro fight, they tell me he's a kickboxer. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to take him down. He kicked <laughs> shit up. <laughs> you, you, know, you know what's awesome about that story is that most people give up everything to go to California to be an actor. Yeah. You give up everything to go to California to be a fighter. You end up being an actor in a major yeah. Hollywood movie. Yeah, yeah it's crazy. <laughs> crazy how it works. Yeah. yeah. Most people fall short on that, that goal. Yeah. Almost all of them end up being waitresses and, yeah, You're right. and other stuff. You're right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, that's that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, with all that, where you, I mean, I, there's got to be a lesson in there about people like rolling a dice and, and risking everything for your dreams, and you made it. Like, what advice yeah. you have for other people on that? Yeah, because you know, I had a lot of people trying to talk me out of it. A lot of people tell me that I never was going to make it, but it was some, it was just something I felt. I, I I just believed in myself, and it was something. It was something that I want. I just wanted to be a fighter, and at the time, I. I was I was only doing it just enough just to pay you know pay rent to live. I didn't know MMA was going to be as big as it got. Yeah. yeah, I didn't know. I just I knew I didn't want to be in Memphis anymore. But I would say it don't matter what people tell you that you can't do is as long as you believe that you can do it. Because I knew I could do. I knew I could do this job. I knew I can do this sport, and I just knew that I could make a difference and 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 be something big. Even even after my my first pro fight, I lost that fight. But even after I lost, as soon as I lost that fight, the promoter came came over to me. And Terry Cop came to me, and I was really down. It's my first first time losing. You know, I was I was down, and my head was down, and everything. I was ashamed of myself because I got my ass kicked. He was like, "Bro, that was one of the most exciting fights that I've seen in a long time." He said, "You got a future in this sport." And like he said, "You know, um, take my card. I'm going to bring you back here. I'm going to bring you back to my next event." And he brought me back. And and I won and brought me back, brought me back, and he and he loved me and that and that and so even if you believe in yourself and your first time out and you you don't succeed, don't don't doubt yourself, don't drop your your belief, just keep going, and try harder. That's what I did. But that, yeah. you know that was a short notice fight. It was I I felt like it you know I probably wasn't meant to win that fight. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Sometimes sometimes losing is good. Uh, I mean, none of us, we competitors, none of us like to lose, but sometimes losing pushes you to the next level. Uh, I had, you know, I had won 16 straight fights when I fought Zach Mikofsky and managed been a Bellator. And, and, uh, and honestly that fight, like I was, that was my best. Yeah. I wasn't hurt. I was, I was like, had a perfect camp and I went in there and I gave, and I was my very best and he still beat me. And I, at that time, I believe that no one, I believe like there's no one at 135 pounds, no one at 125 pounds could beat me anyway. Like, I just felt like, I felt like I was cheating. Yeah. That's how, that's how confident I was. And when he beat me that, like that fair and square, I was like, man, that's another level. And it just pushed me to train, train harder right. and, and, and get to the next level. Cause, uh, so I think, I think losses are yeah. important and the losses in life are important. We always teach, we always talk about our successes, but I talk about parenting sometime, man. You, it's often it's good to to teach people off about failures too. Like I agree with you. I think I think that's I think what you just said. I I think about this sometimes when I'm by myself because I'm not meant to be an intellectual. But um, I think that's that was a downfall of our country when they started giving participation trophies. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, saying our youth not not knowing how how it feels to lose handle failure and how yeah. to failure and come back and be strong. You know, yeah. my my first two losses in in in, in, in MMA boosted my career when I lost to Marvin Eastman. It got me, it, you know, it got me more fights and got me going. And then my my first loss in Pride to Sakuraba, you know, I I won over the the fans and it got yeah. me into Pride because I put a, put forth the uh 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 you know exciting fight. So I felt like my two losses was was wins for me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one one thing you said, man, I I couldn't agree with more. I remember being a 
I grew up in a real rough childhood, and you know, the thing I told you guys earlier about my my dad, like, had a very dysfunctional home. So I had my dad is extremely physically abusive. My my stepfather was extremely physically abusive. Both of them like beat me down mentally. And I remember like saying I was going to go in special forces and, and special operations, and I was going to Marine Corps and try to be a recon Marine. And uh, and, they, and both of them were just like, you know, tell me there's no way like you're not gonna not gonna make it. And I was like a a, a stud athlete kid. I I mean I was running like 50 miles a week when I was in high school. And, and uh and swimming and doing everything but they were just tell you know telling me i'd never make it and i was wasting my time trying and uh, you know and i always tell people you don't, don't let other people's limitations that they put in themselves uh be put on you because yeah. people think in their mind that they can't do it so they think you can't do it and they want to exactly. they, they want you to join in on them, their narrowing ability man you know people will always discourage you uh, always yeah, so, always yeah. yeah if you want to if you really believe in yourself like you said and want to want to do something you got to get out and go after it whether, yeah. whether it's fighting whether it's whether it's business um you know you just got to get out there and, and take it because uh, no one's gonna give it to you anyway and yeah. you can't you can't do it just because you got the encouragement right you gotta do it anyway yeah uh, i agree with you 100 yeah now, that's awesome i didn't i didn't know that about, about you your story MyPillow is celebrating their remarkable 20-year anniversary, and they want to thank each and every one of you for your support with an incredible offer. Right now, you can grab a queen-size MyPillow regulated price at $69.98 for just $19.98, and for just an additional $10, you can upgrade to the king size. To claim this unbeatable deal, head over to MyPillow.com and click on the radio podcast square. Use promo code DANGEROUS to unlock Mike's amazing offer. You can also call at 1-800-941-0272. That's 1-800-941-0272 and use the same promo code DANGEROUS. MyPillow's patented fill adjusts to your exact needs, ensuring you get the best night's sleep ever. The anniversary celebration also brings deep discounts on all MyPillow products from luxury bed sheets and cozy my slippers to soothing towels and comfortable mattresses. Now, let me share a personal secret with you. I've experienced the MyPillow magic myself and I can't help but rave about it. The pillows are amazing. I use my pillow every single night, and the difference in my sleep since I've started using it is astounding. I wake up every morning and my neck feels great. Uh, I love my pillow. So here's your chance to join the My Pillow family and enjoy the best night's sleep of your life. Don't miss out on the biggest sale in My Pillow history. Remember that's mypillow.com, promo code dangerous or call. 1-800-941-0272. Don't wait. This incredible offer won't last forever. Sleep better and feel better thanks to my pillow. Well, uh, before we wrap up, uh, I want to talk about Freedom Freedom Key Society. Uh, let everybody know what that's about. So in the political, like we were talking about earlier, is like we don't think anybody in the actual politician role is actually looking to do any change. The ones that are actually pulling the strings... And the puppet masters are the ones with the money. Yeah. And so Freedom Key Society is, was a pack, a super pack that I started um, that was ultimately going to raise funds from these MMA events. Um, and it's still around. But uh, since, you know, we saw the trend of being able to take our MMA league vision uh, mission farther mm -hmm. with UFL, Freedom Fight Night, uh, which was the event for Freedom Key Society, has evolved into um, more of the UFL mission, but mm. Freedom Key Society is still around. It's just whenever we uh, feel like it's worthwhile again to to pick up and and generate all the funds when we when something presents itself that if a good cause raising money for actually can make a difference, 
uh, instead of just paying a bunch of money in marketing that goes to Facebook or Google or whatever for yeah. campaigns. It's like, why give more money to these conglomerates? Um, if there's a way that we could have money, get people that we want in the primaries uh, to get to the generals, that's worth spending money on. But all this raising funds to do marketing campaigns, it just seems so yeah counterintuitive. Yes. Yeah, especially like, uh, you know, man, we, we could start holding another show right now. <laughs> like uh, you're putting money, you spend money on ads on ads for Instagram and Facebook while they're censoring yeah. you at the same time. So like we spend, we, we, you know, we spend a ton of money on stuff and they're, and they're censoring the audience that I'm paying for. Yeah, and they're taking that money because they are receiving that money and they're now spending that money on other campaigns for their opponent. Yeah. So you're giving money to your opposing candidate and honestly i i've it, it seems it, like it, there should be some kind of law against that like yeah if, at minimum like like uh, unfair business practices false business practices like they're literally like i mean it'd be like if i brought my car to mechanic to fix the brakes and then he and then he uh he intentionally broke the cardboard and gave back to me so I can, like exactly that, and who knows if they are <laughs> and the only way to find out if they're not mm -hmm. is to get a big old uh class action lawsuit so that you can actually try to get discovery and get all this evidence mm -hmm. because otherwise they might be taking that money and only giving the, you know, suppressing to a targeted audience who, how do you validate that they're actually bidding correctly? That you're, you're spending $8 on a bid for this person, this targeted person to see, we're taking all that trust in who is outspokenly your opposition. Cause they're, you know, endorsing all your opponent, uh, candidates we're, we're supposed to trust them that, okay, my $1,000 ad campaign got me 300,000 impressions, hopefully. You know, it's like, uh, unless you go full-on legal mode and, and go to court, it was super expensive and get discovery and start subpoenaing all of their data and analytics. It's a, we're screwed. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, that was weird. No, no. <laughs> you're right. It's it's frustrating. I mean, I'm sure you deal with it too. But it's frustrating on our end. We deal with it constantly, every every day, uh, with our outreach. And our outreach, what we're trying to outreach for is is helping veterans and first responders. Like we have a noble cause, and we're fighting against this nonsense. Uh, it's that's disgusting. that's that's why you know I think one of the things we might have been part we, we got partnered up on is uh, we want to coach. Want to coach uh, Elon Musk to beat up that? Uh, oh uh, yeah, yeah. That's not going. That fight's not happening. <laughs> it, 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 I don't think. I don't think it's going to happen. But I, we could wish. Yeah. <laughs> the one yeah. thing I do like is if they do that and they split the proceeds. At least I know that one of the you know Elon, he wouldn't spend that money on. A, no, they said it was go to veterans charity. Yeah, and so um, and I, I would trust I, it. And we uh we, we've been campaigning for it to go to Mighty Oaks. Uh, so we we want to coach him, but we we would love to be a beneficiary at Mighty Oaks for that for our veterans. But man, I I I just want to see uh, Zuckerberg get beat up. Well, because he's a, he 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 takes puts it to us every day. And I think he's genius though, because he's lost a lot of the he, you know growing up when he was young with the Facebook, he had kind of the cool factor with the young kids because he was Facebook. He was the trendsetter. All the college kids thought he was like blah blah blah. Now that he's got a little bit older. And the young kids are that are cool, you know, are going to TikTok and and all these and every and he's getting kind of sucked in this whole political world that isn't cool. Mm -hmm. And so he's lost that cool factor. How do I get back into that? Oh, I do a little bit of a gimmick fight with Elon Musk, and maybe I get cool again. And so I think it's really smart of him. It's smart, but my my thing is, I'm I, if I got to choose one, I'm with Elon, yeah, right? For sure. 
but but Zuckerberg has been doing jujitsu. Yes. So you know how it is when you, oh yeah yeah like you do jujitsu and somebody <laughs> that don't know jujitsu at all is like yeah he's been doing it for a while too. Yeah. And he's got private lessons. He's yeah. got the money. He got the private lessons and and uh, he he actually looks like he's in shape. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but but Elon's from Mars, you know, so we yeah. know that he knows what type. He's bigger too. <laughs> he's, he's bigger. He's bigger. Yeah, but he we looks could, he looks like he's more out of shape though. We, we could teach him how to. We send him BioX. Yeah. Hey. Oh, that's now you're on to something. We send him BioX. Now, okay, I'll off be on. If you go to bio, if you go to BioX <laughs> and he and he and he get a couple shots. And he and he does what he got. I'm, I'm drinking. Right. He's yeah. drinking F three every day. Yeah. Yeah. Bio X, F three. There's yeah. there's no losing in that yeah. combo. Yeah. We, we'll coach him up. Yeah. I can teach him how to do some big guy jujitsu. Yeah. I can, I can spend somebody up and not be a not be a black belt overnight, but to have some basics. Yeah. I, I roll with him. Some wet blanket jujitsu. Yeah. Yeah. Hit him. Hit him up. I I roll with him if he can deal with my strength. Zuckerberg won't be nothing. <laughs> Let's start calling him Zuckerberg. <laughs> there we go. Hey, oh, viral man. right there. Yeah, we, he needs to smash him. Stop suppressing our stuff. It's America going to happen. It's America, unfortunately. America. America. Yeah, it probably, it probably never happened. Though. Nope, nope. But if it does, I'll, I'll be in his corner. Yeah. <laughs> well, man, it was awesome to have you guys on. Thank you. Hey, what, thank you. Uh, any, any, what can we do though? I mean, just real quick. Thank you so much for giving me the opportunity on your platform to talk about you know F three Energy United Fight League. But really, we want to be always be known as a rising tide. I think we talked about that at lunch. Yeah. And, you know, we obviously are growing these awesome things, but the engine behind it is so that we can also be doing good in a lot of different areas and what you guys are doing at mighty Oaks and what are some things that you could need that potentially we could be helpful with other than raising funds? Yeah. I mean, for mighty Oaks, I mean, getting a message out from mighty Oaks, we have, we have a, you know, suicide rate in, in our, in our country and a veteran community over 20 a day. Um, wow. it, it's getting worse. We don't even know what the numbers are now. Cause, uh, you know, since COVID has gotten, uh, so, so much worse and, uh, and our veteran community is just really struggling. And we came out 20 years of war and, and now we're on the verge of, you know, lots more. And uh, our military, I've been around the military for 30 years. I've never seen a lower morale in our troops than, than right now wow. in this, the, you know, this administration. And so it's, you know, the military really needs our help right now. Our law enforcement has been demonized to be bad guys. And, uh, you know, when they're just trying to go out every day and, go home to their families and trying to help their communities. You know, there's bad apples everywhere, but, but for the large part, you know, uh, please, please go to serve and protect and, and mm -hmm. give back to communities and, uh, and the firefighters and everybody, these communities really need help. And Mighty Oaks Foundation has been able to do that for the last 12 years in a very powerful way. We bring, uh, you know, we do uh, faith-based peer-to-peer mentoring. Uh, we do recovery programs, resiliency programs. And, and so uh, one of the biggest things we need help with, of course, we need, we have to raise $8 million a year to do these programs. And fundraising is always a big part, but one of the other big parts is just getting information out to these communities yep. to let them know like, Hey, you're not alone. There is help out there. The only solution isn't ending your life. The only solution isn't divorcing your family. The only solution isn't taking a bunch of pills every day or, or drinking drinking yourself to sleep every night. There is help out there. So letting them know that there's help, plugging them in a, a source, a resource. So a lot of times people don't know how to help people. Uh, you don't have to know how to help people. You just know how to know what to point them to. Right. And Mighty Oaks is a resource to do that. And we everything we do is free. We even pay for the flights. For well, them to hey, hey, one time, if you have somebody that needs some assistance, uh, fly them out to a UFL show. Let me let me take them out. I take them out to lunch or dinner, and I don't know if it's a bad idea. But we go out to a bar or something. I don't know if that's a bad idea for people that's you know like that. I don't but, drink. Dep depends so. what depends who it is. All right, yeah. It's, it's up to, and then <laughs> let me let me show them. Bring them to one of uh, yeah. UFL um, 
you know, event and let, and let let me hang out with them. I make them laugh and joke around. And, we'll do it. Yeah, we'll I'm, do it. We'll bring it. We'll bring a group out for the next show. All right, that sounds good. Yeah. And if I promise to be as hospitable as you've been, would you come out and and be on our podcast? And Absolutely. Make sure that we keep getting the message out. Absolutely. All right. Awesome. We love that. All right. Love thank that. you. I really appreciate it. All right, brother. Thank you, man. Love you all. Appreciate it. Thanks. 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 All right. Yeah, yeah. All right. So Quentin, Quentin Jackson and Harrison Ford, you know, stay in, oh, Hey, there Harrison we go. Ford. Indiana Jones. Go go watch it in theaters <laughs> now. Ford. I called I called him that for the first three weeks of knowing him. Look at Harrison Rogers. So it's not just me. No, it's not. Oh yeah, no, I get here. I mean, it's it's an I mean, I'll get there. People know my name just as much as Ford. <laughs> yeah, his middle name his middle name is is Ball. So PVs call him Harry Balls. <laughs> yeah, actually, I, yeah, it's it, I get mistook for Chris Pratt more than Harrison Ford. So. Okay. Now you did, you did, you officially did. Yeah. Well, Chris. Well, Harrison Rogers and Rampage are staying dangerous, and it was awesome to be with you guys.